Welcome to our third podcast in our holiday series with Floyd McClung. In this, Floyd McClung talks about connecting with people, how to know your crowd, and what to do with those who are curious, and also drawing out those who are committed to go on the journey to become disciples. These three uh, kinds of people are in our lives, our crowds, those who are curious, and those who are committed. I hope this really encourages you and gives you some ideas of drawing out uh, how you should connect with people. Okay, um, let me just do a couple things with you and then we'll bring this to a close. Um, you can see here, it's back on the other screen as well, three kinds, three groups of people that Jesus interact with. So this is a, a, a different paradigm, a kind of a different way to look um, I went through the scriptures a few years ago, the Gospels, and I just looked at all the conversations that Jesus had with people. And I thought, wow, here's, here's an interesting paradigm that I saw emerge that I had not spotted before, that there were those people um, that we could call, the Bible calls, crowds, multitudes, big gatherings. <laughs> that, I imagine that could have been 20 or 30 or 40 people and it could have been bigger. Sometimes they're called crowds, sometimes called multitude. But here's a consistent pattern. In every one of those interactions, you never find Jesus criticizing, condemning, confronting people. He always had compassion on them. He always shared the seed. He sowed the seed generously. He fed people. When they were hungry, he really took notice. When they were sick, he healed them. He even raised the dead. Beautiful. I just thought, wow, that's awesome. That's how Jesus sees people. That's how I want to see people. But you know, when somebody stepped out of the crowd, and Jesus was very intentional, by the way, he told stories to make people ask questions. Uh, we worked in Amsterdam. You know, this is a modern, worldly, it's got a lot of evil, a lot of injustice, a lot of economic oppression in Amsterdam. Um, and we, we, we thought a lot. We put a lot of time and creativity into the arts because it's a very arts-oriented city. We did a lot of drama and music. And we made it our point to create questions in people's minds that we didn't try to tell them all the answers. We saw that as a parabolic approach, a storytelling approach. And then we would engage people who wanted to. People would say, what are you guys up to? What, what's this mean? That was great for us. And Jesus had those people. That's that second group, the curious. And he was trying to provoke people in the crowds to have spiritual hunger. And he was trying to motivate people who had spiritual hunger to become really committed. So, in other words... I want to encourage you, know who your crowd is. We all have a crowd. Who's in your crowd? Family. Family? Excellent. Colleagues at work. work. Neighbors, friends. Uni friends, exactly. So you don't even have to go out and do something to make a crowd, we all have one. And so what this picture is trying to say to us is we have this circle of people in our life and we should love them and feed them, sow seed, 
bless them with healing and loving counsel. We should speak life to them. We should share good news with them. And in all of that, seek to stir up spiritual curiosity. So what tools do you use intentionally to stir up spiritual curiosity? I want you to ask that, I want to ask you that question. I want you to be thinking about that. What do I do? Do I have a plan? And once people were spiritually curious, what did Jesus do? We call them followers in the New Testament. So what did he do with them? Yes, how did he do that? Before they got to the place of being committed. Let me tell you, I see him poking at them. He like puts his finger inside of their hearts and stirs. Can you remember God stirring you? <laughs> Just kind of messing with your whole life? Getting, did you ever get like uncomfortable? Like, don't ask me that question. Or did you ever get mad at somebody because they really put their finger in something? It's called conviction, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit work. And you know, we get to be a part of that if our motivation is love. And we're trying to help people. So Jesus personalized this process. So remember the rich, uh, the rich guy. No, sorry. Uh, this is what Matthew 8. Uh, the religious leader comes to Jesus. And so Jesus says, basically, uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man has nowhere. Get in the boat with me. Take a step. In the same passage, another guy comes. I don't know if it was right at the same time or if it was separated by days or what, but Matthew tells them right back to back. Another man says, I love what you're saying. I've heard you. I'm in the crowd. I've heard you. And I'm really curious. I want to know more. But I have to go home for a funeral. And Jesus says, don't do it. Now, in, in, in Africa... Everybody goes home for funerals. It's tied into ancestors. It's showing honor. You go back to the village. You go back to the land. When I say this to Africans, they like really get this. Their culture is closer to what was happening in the Middle East than many of our Western cultures. If Jesus said to an African, don't go home. Let the dead bury the dead. Like he was putting his finger on where loyalty was that was going to keep that person from really being committed to Jesus. He said to the rich young ruler, sell everything. He said to Peter, put your net on the other side. So what he's trying to do is get people to take a step of obedience, activating their faith, moving them forward by asking something of them. And we should not be afraid of doing that. But don't do it as a formula or a routine. Be prayerful about it. And you know what? Be proactive. Be positive about it. I love to do this with people. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy doing this. Because what I do is I ask God for insights into what I think their future destiny is in God. And then I try to call that out of them. I said to a lady, we do a lot of community development and crisis relief projects. We just had a situation where 1,500 shack homes burned down in a slum area, a, a raging fire a week ago Monday. Oh, man, 5,000 people homeless, just like that. People injured, 
killed. It was just terrible. The same thing happened three years ago in a squatter camp where we were called Red Hill. There was a, there's about four or five thousand people living in Red Hill. And um, we got involved and did disaster relief, and then we switched into a kind of development, community development process. And one of the people involved in the community development process was a lady named Liz. And Liz is from the, uh, a community called Simonstown. And so she raised a lot of money and channeled it through all nations. Uh, she trusted us, but it was a lot of money. So I, I requested a meeting. I said, Liz, I'd like to give you a report. We brought our bookkeeper. We laid out all of our books. And we said, Liz, this is where all the money's gone. Here's all the cash slips. The, you know, we just said, here's a report. Now, uh, in that process of this conversation, it struck me um, how much Liz was like Jesus. One of the most caring, honest, wonderful people. Gives a lot of time to the poor. Without condescension. She's just there. So I said to Liz, and I thought about this. I said, Liz, I've got something else I want to say. Okay, the report's over. This is personal. I just want to say to you. If Jesus came back today, he would look like you. If I could see Jesus today, I think he would be just like you. She said, what do you mean? I said, you just have such deep compassion for people. You're so genuine. Uh, I just, I really respect you, Liz. And you have so much in you that God's put inside of you. Oh my gosh, was that ever a wonderful moment? Like her heart just went. <laughs> we had a God moment. So, you know, calling people out is not about putting them down. It's about calling out, encouraging what's inside of them. You get this? This is fun, you guys. I love doing this with anybody and everybody. I just try to figure out what their spiritual gift is. <laughs> what their destiny and their passions are, and I tell them. And here's the deal. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is wooing every human being to Jesus. Did you know that? And if we can say the same thing that the Holy Spirit is saying to people, it comes alive in their hearts. Then we're not somebody against them. We're like sowing seed into their heart, and it feels like, wow, something's really happening. Cool, eh? And then the third step is committed. That's where we say to people, come on, let's go for it. Would you like to know more? I'm learning. I'm on a journey. Let's go together on the journey. The greatest source for us to learn is Jesus himself. I do this with Hindus. I do it with Muslims. I do it with business people. I do it with the poor. And that kind of becomes a test for me to say, is this at the right place to focus on Jesus. Because if they're not ready for Jesus, then that shows me that it's not quite ready yet. Okay, let's wrap it up. I've only got another half an hour. No, let's stop. I went home one time and preached for my dad when he was pastoring. After the sermon, he said, Son, I believe in the everlasting gospel, but I don't believe in you preaching it all at once. (laughs) 